Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You are very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. My name is Cora Gernon. I created the space for women to share all of the details surrounding their pregnancy, labour, birth and everything in between without feeling shy about the detail. Sit back and enjoy over 100 hours of birth stories told by you, the listeners. Enjoy. Hello there. I hope you have all had a wonderful week. It's been a really busy week with the podcast. I have just released the early bird tickets for the event on the 2nd of September. There's a handful of those left at that price and I will link the website which will bring you directly to the to purchase the tickets in the show notes if you want to have a look there. One of our guests is going to be Ani Hennessy which I'm sure so many of you know and the conversation that we're going to have is about behind the midwife and the path that brought her to where she is now basically. So why she decided to go down this career path, why she wanted to support women the way she is currently doing so and some highlights of her career so far. So I'm really looking forward to that conversation. So that's just one of many conversations that I'm going to be having on the 2nd of September. I also gave you a little sneak peek of the podcast merchandise, Birth Nerd. Um, it was just another idea and I said, sure, let's go for it. And I will have the that crew neck sweatshirt available for pre-sale by the end of next week so I'll have about 25 30 of them available I will be changing up the colorways over the next couple of months and I will have the mugs available soon as long as well as some earrings so yeah this is all happening at once but I'm just going to go with it so to bring you to this week's episode so I'm going to share my chat with Stephanie who talks me through her pregnancy and the birth of her little girl Morgan so this is her second home birth, which is what Stephanie opted for. But I will share her first birth experience with her little girl Ada in the show notes in episode 37. This time round, Stephanie had a really smooth pregnancy up until the 30 week mark. So she ended up getting COVID, unfortunately, which was something as the rest of us did, which she tried so hard to avoid. She pulled her little girl out of uh, play school out of crash to try and avoid it but it just it it got them so unfortunately um covid made her feel really tired she had a lot of spd um 
and then she ended up being admitted into hospital for an unstable life. So she was actually in there for a full week um, and she talks us through the ins and outs of that, the conversations that they had, the different testing that she had and the support that she had from so many women and these women weren't necessarily connected. It was just really kind of serendipitous in the way that all these, she was just surrounded by a blanket of support by really incredible women. Thankfully, Stephanie's little girl turned head down and stayed in that position which enabled her to go ahead and have her home birth. This time her birth experience was so much quicker in comparison to her first. She was really, she really thought she was going to have a long labour um, like she did with her little girl Ada but no that was very much not the case. So I'll let Stephanie share all the details, um, a really nice positive story with lots in between as well and I think it's an important listen. So thank you, Stephanie, for sharing your story. I hope you all enjoy and I will chat to you all next week. Stephanie, you are very welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Nice to be back. And this little time, you have another little girl and a muzzle on your shoulder again. Yeah. (laughs) Permanently. Yeah. So will we just chat a little bit about... uh, basically what you've been doing over the past year and so maybe we could give everyone a little bit of a background on your family and then we'll chat about your birth story. Sure and um, my name is Stephanie uh, I'm married to Connor and um, we have two children now we have Ada who is a year and um, a year and almost eight months and we have Morgan who will be eight weeks tomorrow and um, and we have our our little <laughs> eternally patient fur baby, Ruth, who is a, a rescued lurcher, who is a, has much forbearance <laughs> for all the changes in her life in the last two years. I'll make sure to link your your first birth story in the show notes, actually, so everyone can catch up with that episode. I think it's episode thirty seven. I think it was. So let's chat about your your most recent experience. So birth story wise, um. Yeah, we, my cycle came back pretty early um, for someone who was exclusively breastfeeding, which I was pretty disgusted at. Um, Like, I don't think we had changed anything. You know, she hadn't started solids. She hadn't given up like any particular night feed or anything like that. But at four months um, period back again, I was disgusted. Okay, (laughs) four months. Um, But uh, I had kind of said, um, I had a miscarriage with my first pregnancy, as you remember, and um, I think that experience kind of we had said sure look we want a couple of kids so we'll be just we'll just kind of go for it sort of back to back you know we'll we'll just sort of let nature take its course and see what happens um, and uh, nature was in a bit of a rush so uh, when Aidan was about nine months old I was pregnant again um, and it was funny I'd had uh, I had my first COVID vaccine and um, I had a quite a long period as a result of that and then I had the second COVID vaccine and again I had a really long period and um I was like, I was bitching to everybody. I was like, I'm so late. I'm so late. This is ridiculous. Like I had a really long period and now I'm late. It's absolutely ridiculous. Second COVID vaccine. I'm definitely not pregnant. So I was taking a pregnancy test um, and I was about five days late then. And uh, I finally, next thing I got a faint positive on the pregnancy test. And I'd been, I'd been saying to myself, it's just the COVID vaccine because with Ada, I had a positive. Jeez, I was probably about two or three days before my period was due. And this time I was like, uh I was five or six days late before I was sure I was pregnant like and I was like my sisters and everything I was okay. like definitely not pregnant this is ridiculous We're completely messing up my cycle like really huge bitch best about it 
Um, and then I had to come back to them contrite a couple of weeks later and be like, so it wasn't the COVID vaccine. <laughs> Which, um, of course, puts the absolute, uh, really frightens people when I say that. I'm like, oh, you know, yeah, COVID really delayed, but, you know, made made changes to my cycle. But then it turned out I actually was pregnant. So, um, or the COVID vaccine. It, it made changes to my it cycle did. as well, though. I had a really Yeah, long I period. think everybody yeah. did. And like the fact that it did on my first, uh, on the first dose as well, um, it definitely wasn't just <laughs> the pregnancy thing. Like, so, um, but it was funny. Yeah, actually, like they, when I, we went for an early scan again, a private scan, because I, you know, wanted to be, again, you know, after having that experience with the first pregnancy, we wanted to make sure everything was looking good. And um, I kind of fudged my dates a little bit because um, my, because with Ada, my due date got pushed up a full week earlier. They were like, you know, me by my period, they were like, oh, it's this is your, I knew that the, the due date was around the 16th of September and they, by the scan, then bumped it up. They were like, okay, she's due on the 10th. And then with the home birth, I kind of was feeling under a lot of pressure. Like I was 10 days late with Ada um, when I finally had her, or I was 10 days late when I was pregnant with Morgan, I kind of fudged the dates a little bit. And I said, oh, you know, my last period was on this day, you know, hoping that maybe that would give me a little bit more wiggle room uh, at the other end of the pregnancy. And they actually went, oh yeah, yeah, measuring perfectly for that size. So I was like, oh, okay. So obviously ovulated late as well with the COVID uh, uh, vaccine. So um, that made things a little bit all over the place. But anyway. um, And your plan was to have another home birth. Yeah. Oh yeah. Straight away. Yeah. Uh, Anya was the first person we told. (laughs) (laughs) I was pregnant again. Um, like literally we told my family after we had the scan but we knew from the kind of Facebook groups and the various kind of chat around the home birth community that it was becoming really really difficult to get a home birth midwife and like it's nuts you know people they weren't being they couldn't get private midwives Ireland they couldn't get uh, the community midwives and we knew as well that we specifically wanted Anya like a you know I talk about how good the continuity of care is with the home birth service but getting the same midwife again for your second birth is like absolutely amazing so uh i said yeah we have to contact her straight away so i basically just sent her a text and i was like so are you busy next april and she was like oh, oh my god <laughs> i think i was only like five maybe six weeks pregnant at that point um and see so yeah, i knew i was due in april and Anya said that she was booked out until the end of march already so i was pretty pleased and i think during the pregnancy i think she had like kind of one or two uh, slots came up then uh, for whatever reason, people getting transferred to hospital, that kind of thing. But um, yeah, so I was quite glad we did that. Uh, like the notion of not being able to have a home birth because I couldn't get a midwife, I'd have been absolutely spitting over. Um, it was a fairly uneventful pregnancy <laughs> until I hit kind of the 30 week mark. Um, but uh, I had a lot more kind of worry around the pregnancy this time with COVID because, you know, all the information was coming out about mm. the risks in pregnancy. Um, and it's funny, like I look back on it now, thinking about me unvaccinated, working in a hospital, running around the place maskless a lot of the time, you know, I'm like, well, it kind of sends shivers through me. Um, but, uh, um, so yeah, I went back to work when I was, I think it was almost 12 weeks to the day. So basically went back, had this little kind of welcome back lunch at work and I was like, I'm pregnant again. <laughs> so um, now I had told my manager already, I kind of informed her about two weeks beforehand because um. I knew that going back to work, we have to do a risk assessment and things like that working in healthcare. So, um, so I told her already. So I told my colleagues then when I was back basically that day, but, uh, part of me sort of felt a little bit guilty. I was like, oh God, I'm coming back again already, you know, ready to take off maternity leave already. But, 
what helped a lot was I had a colleague who had very recently done the same thing. She was only back at work about four months and she was off again. So um, a lot of people are just doing it now. I think it's, yeah. it's having, you know, the kind of two under two because it's we're having kids later and stuff like that. So it makes sense. Um, so uh, that would have been that was the end of September when I went back to work. And then come Christmas, you know, again, the COVID numbers were just absolutely bloody skyrocketing. Um, so I was very uncomfortable with the notion of working in a healthcare setting at that point. Yeah. Like, yeah, and I knew, I mean, work had been brilliant. They'd really reduced my risk as much as possible. You know, if, if any of the patients had a sniffle or a temperature or any kind of cough, co- potential COVID symptoms at all, I wasn't going anywhere near them. You know, um, at Christmas, they decided we were, we had to wear FFP2 masks all the time. But at that point, they'd also kind of changed the derogation rules for healthcare workers. So people who were close contacts were coming right back to work because we just needed the staff, basically, I think is why they had to do it. Um, when we came back after Christmas, I talked to my manager about working from home and they were just, they couldn't have been, they couldn't have been more supportive. Um, so I swapped to doing work from home. So I was doing kind of helping out with admin and doing a lot of uh, CPD and things like that. And then, uh, doing sort of uh, improvement, service improvement projects, that kind of thing. So it's difficult for a physio to work from home, but we managed something. Um, I was only working a four-day week as well. I was taking one day parental leave per week. We actually ended up taking Ada out of crash. Then after Christmas, we kept her out for, uh, I think about kind of three and a half, nearly four weeks. And um, which was a stinger because we were paying for it, but we just knew that that was the most likely way that COVID was going to come into the house. You know, my husband works from home. I was going nowhere anywhere. I did have to go. I was wearing the FFP2 mask. We were being so, so, so careful um, because, you know, it wasn't just the notion of getting COVID and the risk. It was all the changes that that would have made to the um, pathway of care for me. You know, at that point, we thought that that would basically automatically root out the home birth. I'd have to be induced. They'd want to induce me around 37, 38 weeks. I'd have to be constantly monitored. At that point, we also thought that I'd have to go on blood thinners. I was like, this is just a huge thing. You know, I just, it, it was worth avoiding COVID. But um, I had the pelvic girdle pain again. And it was like, it was when it kicked in, it took longer to get, kick in. I think because I was more active because, you know, we weren't in lockdown. And, um, but when it did kick in, oh my God, it was so much worse. Miles worse. And um, my hips were really sore. Like I was taking paracetamol and everything and I was trying to avoid taking anything, but I just had to take a painkiller because I could barely walk. I was on a crutch by the end of the pregnancy. And um, so being, if, so what I was going to ask you there is with everything going on with COVID and having to have Ada at home, not having to have Ada at home, but having Ada home when you're so heavily pregnant and it was just a really tense time what did you do I know you're really good at looking after your body and your physio and you're fairly active so what did you do um when you had the pelvic girdle pain to try and alleviate that discomfort but also keep yourself feeling well um it was mostly kind of symptom management really because like as a physio we always try to address the cause of a problem when it comes to pelvic girdle pain during pregnancy the cause of the problem is pregnancy, pregnancy <laughs> really yeah. like, most of the time now for me um it was worse and by the fact that I think I had a lot of wasting around some of my muscles when I was pregnant the first time um, and I probably didn't have enough time to really get that strength back um so I was definitely I was kind of starting off at a little bit of a disadvantage I think um so I went to physio myself I did a lot of kind of strengthening around my hips um or well as much as I could um 
I was taking the painkillers as well, which is, you know, part of that. Um, I was avoiding sitting on the floor with Ada as much as possible because that was aggravating it. I was trying to take walks. Um, but uh, again, because we basically kind of went into that sort of little mini lockdown at home, it was just too too tough. And then when we'd been at that for about three and a half, nearly four weeks, uh, you know, doing the kind of stay at home um, mum thing while trying to work from home, while <laughs> looking after a toddler, like it was just, it was completely unworkable. I was getting really, really, really stressed out. I, the pelvic pain was getting really bad because as much as I was trying to avoid being on the floor with her, like she was a toddler, you know, she was, uh, she was only just kind of started walking. She just wanted to play on the floor with someone the whole time, you know? So I just caved with Connor one day. I was like, I said, I just can't do it. So we have to send her back to crash. It was also just such a stinger that we were paying so much money the whole time. Um, so God, we sent her back and I swear she was back about three days when she came home with a vomiting book. <laughs> I was just like, this is the universe punishing me for caving and sending her back. And then uh, I think again, it was only about two weeks later and uh, I had developed a cough and uh, I was doing loads of antigen tests. Ada had a cough as well. We did antigen tests on her. Negative, 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 negative. And um, I said to Tanya one day, I said, you know, I'm still coughing here. I said, is there anything I can take? You know, I said, can I, I wasn't sure, could I take Limsip or anything like that? Um, and she said, no, but she said, maybe you should book a PCR test just to be sure what we're being pregnant. So I booked the PCR next thing, the second thing was positive. Oh. And I just couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my God, I got the bloody COVID. Uh, and I assume Ada brought it home from crash, but she did a PCR and it was negative. But like, I cannot imagine where else it was. We were barely seeing anybody. It, we were only going into, you know, like grocery shops, pharmacies, everywhere, anywhere we just had to be. So I really think that's the only place I could have gotten it from. And we had, we were getting notified by the crash when there were COVID cases around as well. Um, so anyway, yeah, I got that, uh, told Anya, Anya told me to contact the hospital. So I ran the coom and the next day they had me in for uh, a trace, um, which I'd never had before. I haven't had all the kind of, uh, antenatal care at home and like they had me up in this bed for about 45 minutes with the trace running because Morgan was just moving and moving and moving so the trace kind of kept they kept losing the trace um, and oh my god the pain of sitting on that bed perfectly still with the hips the way they were kind of having to sit sort of upright but not lying down but not totally sitting upright and like oh my god it was absolutely bloody off it was so uncomfortable <laughs> I was just remember leaving St. Connor I was like I'm never doing one of those again. I'm never doing one of those again. It was so sore. And I was saying, if I have to do another one, you know, I'm going to do it sitting in a chair or something. Um, so how were you brought into the hospital? Just They had a, they have a COVID unit, basically, in the car park. Um, I was brought up. I waited outside and they brought me in. They, you know, I had an FFP2 on already and they just made sure I was wearing that. The nurse was in full PP. You know, she had the gown, she had the mask, she had the visor, the whole deal. Um, everyone in there no it was it was quiet because that was a Saturday at that point um everyone in there was in full total PPE um see I had a trace they brought me in for a scan then two weeks later I think it was two weeks after that for a full ultrasound of the department um and then again I was brought back for another one two weeks after that um at this point I had I had up to that point I had been under the community midwives I'd only been in to see the obstetrics team once because um, I have an underactive thyroid and the number was, it seemed like I was kind of over medicating for it a little bit. Um, so they brought me in to get that checked. I was put under the endocrinologist there for a short while, but the numbers kind of balanced out. So it was all fine. I didn't have, have to have any changes made to the medication or anything like that. So they had let me go again. They said, you know, you can go back to the community midwives. We'll do a growth scan when you're about 37 weeks and we'll leave it at that. 
But um, as soon as I had COVID, that was it. Off the community, we arrived and under the, uh, back to the obstetrics team again. Um, so basically from that point, like I was 31 weeks and I got COVID from that point on, it just felt like I was living in the hospital. Um, and then uh, at, um, she had been mostly head down. Like you remember from Ada that she was breach, breach, breach for ages. It was such a, it was such a drama for us. Um, so Morgan had mostly been head down and uh, I went in to see, I'm trying to remember now, I think when I went in f- for uh, the second growth scan after COVID, uh, she was sideways and I would have been about 35 weeks at that point. So they brought me back into clinic the following week and she was still sideways. They brought me back into clinic the next week and she was breached and they were like, okay, you know, we're looking at an unstable lie here, which is the same thing I'd been told with Ada. And uh, the doctor that I saw at that clinic was like, she said, okay, you're going to have to go home and pack a bag. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> um, and at that point, they'd kind of been talking a lot about induction for COVID, you know, and I'd been talking with Anya and she said, you know, induction is still optional. It's still up to you. The home birth guidelines hadn't changed to reflect COVID at all. So the fact that I'd had it had no bearing under, you know, um, their insurance or their uh, permission to have home births or anything like that. Um the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists at that point had brought out guidelines about women who had had COVID saying that there was no need to change the pathway of care for birth. So that meant that it should have been fine to have her at home. Um, when I went in for that 37 week appointment, I was well armed with all this information. Now at this point, even the Irish uh, group had brought out uh, new guidelines. It was basically vaccinated mums, no reason for induction. So I was all prepared to kind of have this fight. I was like, fight, hey, I'm not going to get an induction because I want, uh, I don't want to have an induction regardless of if I'd had birth, given birth in hospital or at home. Um, and I was like, okay, all prepared for this fight. Next thing they were like, that baby's transverse. And I was like, okay, so that's a different problem. <laughs> um, and uh, so she, that doctor went and got the consultant who came back and said, no, you know, it's not too bad. Um, you know, it's a little bit early to be bringing you in to admit you for, um, for the unstable lie so she said you know we'll, we'll bring you back in next Monday and see if they has the baby gotten into position yet and I said okay but can we make a plan around this induction thing so I don't want an induction she said okay um yeah I know you're planning the home birth and she was very supportive I was under the same doctor and she was pretty supportive last time of the home birth as well and um she said we're just kind of you know we like to intervene uh with cold ones and I was like you know I just kind of I didn't say anything I did I did, wasn't going to have the argument that I can have this fight when I'm 40 weeks if I need to um and she said look as long as you have the baby somewhere around your due date that's fine and they actually wrote it documented it in the chart then a particular range of dates it was like from the uh I think she was she was due on the 13th and they were like if gives birth between kind of say 15th to 17th that's okay and I was like how is this I just felt lost. like I don't you know just been put on a schedule basically um, but I said, look, we'll just let it slide, you know, still time to go. We can have that fight later on if we need to. And in the meanwhile, I was like, we have to get her into position anyway. So I came back to the coom then 38 plus five. Um, bag kind of half-assed packed <laughs> in the boot of the car because I'd done the same thing with Ada, rocked up, boot, you know, bag packed for this unstable lie slash breech baby and been sent home because she'd gone head down and that was it. We were all fine. So I rocked up with this bag with like, you know, like a couple of pairs of knickers and a pair of pajamas in it, if even that. And I was like, they're going to tell me to go home. And like, I lay down and she was like, and I even felt it as I laid down. I was like, I can feel that she's trans. 
And then the doctor was just like, yeah, we have to admit you. I was like, okay. And I bawled, bawled my eyes out, texted Anya. Oh, I forgot actually the first time they said that they were going to admit me and the doctor left the room to get the consultant. I was like panic texting Anya and I was like, they're admitting me. Fuck, fuck. <laughs> Sorry, pardon my language there. I was just like, oh no, oh no. I was like, this is terrible. This is awful. And then, then she came back with the consultant who said they didn't have to be admitted. And in the time that I had that conversation with them and came back out of the room, Anya had been replying, being like, oh God, I don't know what's happening. You know, and I was like, sorry, panic over. Um, but anyway, yeah. So then the following week back in again, they were like, okay, you have to come in. And uh, Connor had come in with me. So he uh, came in to join me when I kind of waited for a bed to open up. And we got upstairs to the ward. Thank God, now the restrictions somewhat lifted. So he was able to visit me any, you know, or not any time of day, but most of the, the day. Um, and he came up with me and we just sat on the bed in the ward and I just bawled and I was just like, I just want to go home. Um, and then part of me felt kind of guilty because I was like, I've gotten really properly bad news in this hospital before. You know, I've been told that I, that that my baby's gone as opposed to being told you just need to be admitted for a while, you know, and monitored, you know, everything, everything is perfectly fine. The baby's grand, but, you know, maybe looking at a C-section, maybe looking at an induction, maybe looking at having the baby in the hospital, but, you know, I just couldn't help, but I bawled. I literally just said, I said, I just want to go home. And I knew I was really going to be missing my daughter. Like she, uh, like Ada had said goodbye that morning and I had been kind of doing a sleepy sort of goodbye because I was just wrecked from having had COVID as well. I was very, very tired. Um, so Connor had been taking her to crash, waking her up in the morning to take her to crash, bring her into me. We do a sleepy goodbye night sleep for like another hour and a half. Um, and she came in and I was half asleep. So I was kind of like, okay, bye, love you. You know, I gave her a kiss and a hug. And then Connor was like, do you, do you want to give her like a big hug? And I was like, oh, what do you mean? He was like, in case you get admitted. And I was like, oh no. But at that point she was kind of all set to go. You know, we'd gone through the routine. So I didn't want to kind of bring her back and give her loads of cuddles and kind of confuse her. So I just sort of let her go. And I even said it to Connor and I was bawling into her shoulder. I was like, I didn't say a proper goodbye to them. Like, and she got, ugh, I just felt so guilty then as well. Because on that ward, you know, there was a woman in, you know, kind of prolonged early labor. She was only like 33, 34 weeks. I was further along than her. Baby was grand. Um, but it was just, you know, it is how you feel. These are the kind of choices, exactly. you know, the preferences yeah. we have. So, um, so I thought, <laughs> immediately sent Connor home with a list of other stuff that I was actually going to need. I was like, all right, crap, we've got to get, you know, more stuff in here. Um, so, yeah, spent a week in the coom in the end, admitted on the Monday, discharged the following Monday. Um, they kind of said they went through sort of the options of what were going to happen. They said the baby could go head down. And if they stay there for about 48 hours, then we can let you go home. Um, they said the baby could go breach. And if they stay there for 48 hours, we could let you go home or we could do a C-section. Um, they said baby could go head down but not be engaged as in not be low enough. And we could maybe do um, what they called a controlled rupture of membrane. So, which was going to involve basically one staff member holding my belly to hold her in position while they broke my waters so that the head would be the first part to present. Um, so, you know, the risk with the unstable lie being that there isn't a presenting part. So you might have a cord prolapse, which is a big emergency. Um, so uh, they reckoned that the most likely outcome like I remember one of the doctors saying it to me at one point she said I think probably the best outcome you're going to see is a is a controlled rupture of membranes she thought that that was going to be the the most likely thing and I thought that that just involved okay breaking the waters and then they'd leave me alone and she was like okay and then we'll put you on the drip straight away and I was like oh the bloody drip you know that means 
even the water's breaking is the timeline, the drip, you know, I was thinking, God, the contractions are so much stronger. Will I be able to handle it without an epidural? Um, I also wasn't going to be able to have, even I wasn't going to even be able to use the pool in the hospital if you have an induction, because mm-hmm. basically everything that rules you out of having a home birth rules you out of using the pool. So, you know, if you meet the criteria to use the birthing pool in the hospital, you meet the criteria to have a home birth pretty much. Um, so I kept asking, yes, I was like, can I use the pool if that is happening? They were like, no, can I use the pool if this is happening? No. And I was like, oh, for God's sake, because that I use that so much for pain relief with Ada. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't think I could have had, I don't think I could have had the home birth if it hadn't been for the pool. Um, so that was, that was not a very pleasant conversation. She said to me at one point, she was like, just so you know, you can have a section anytime you want. And the way she said it, I was just like, this woman knows that this is not what I want, which was wonderful. You know, she clearly knew she was just letting me know my options. She knew I didn't want induction. She knew I didn't want a C-section. And she was just so chill about it. It was really, really nice. Actually, the whole team, when I was there, all of the doctors were very much like the lady wants her home birth. And I do think they were skeptical about it. They didn't think it was going to happen. But at no point were they like, don't do it or it's not going to happen or just have the section or anything like that. That didn't happen at any point, which was nice. Um, so the admission was, I have to say, was really, really difficult. Like the first day, uh, Connor brought Ada in in the evening after crash. And like the the only place I could see her was in the hospital cafe, which thankfully had only reopened a couple of weeks beforehand. But um, the cafe was closed at that point when she was coming in in the evenings. So we were meeting in the car park and I was like, this is just a disaster. Like I was trying to talk to her sitting in the front seat of the car. It was a very blustery, windy day and I couldn't, you know, bend down to pick her up properly because the hips at that point were so sore. And like, um, anyway, when we said, uh, when we said goodbye on like that kind of ramp leading up into the comb, she just started bawling, absolutely wailing and like proper like mama, mama. And like, because she just didn't want to be up in her dad's arms and she had the two arms reaching out over his shoulder for me. I was just, oh my God, I was in bits. And it, like about three people, you know, all the kind of women coming in and out of the coom just sort of looked with that sympathetic look on their face. Like, I'm, you know, the poor baby. And I was like, oh God, it just absolutely broke my heart. I could hear her wailing the whole way up Cork Street as he carried her off. Um, so yeah, then got back upstairs to the ward and just again, bawled my bloody eyes out. So... At that point, I was like, right, okay, no, Anya was being really supportive. She was like, okay, we're just going to do everything we can, the same as we did last time to get this baby into position. Now, at that point, I'd already done, I'd been to the chiropractor, I'd done the her burning dinner and the toes, I'd done everything uh, and spinning babies and everything, and just none of it had just had worked yet. Um, so I was talking to Anya, and I had I had hired a doula, actually, for this pregnancy as well. Um, most of the biggest appeal being the fact that I wasn't going to have my sister and my niece with me this time and they were so much oh, yeah. help last time um but Zoe who uh, my niece who was at the birth is doing her leaving cert this year you know has a is is doing a leaving cert at the moment god god love her um and is has applied to be a midwife so hopefully she will get her get her exams and get her preference there but um so I knew you know I wasn't gonna be calling her up in April you know uh to, to to attend a birth she wanted to she very much wanted to we were like can't like can't uh I said you know you'll be able to go to all the home births you want once you become a midwife so better off to stay at home and get to study and um, so I knew we weren't gonna have them so I thought a doula would be very helpful so um Lorraine was amazing like we were in touch by text and you know she said if you want to have a phone call or anything but I kind of wasn't really comfortable talking on the phone with her in on a six-bed ward you know again yeah. I didn't want to be like don't be sad you know I'm not at home and have people around me being like you know we've got bigger problems lady you know um 
so she was great and she uh, had offered as well if she was going by Dublin like you know I can come see you if you want uh, she was going to send me up a rebozo so that I could do a little bit more um, work with the rebozo to try and get a baby into position and um, but I don't know what it was it was like I think I, I was posting about it on Instagram just saying that it was tough you know that it had been admitted that it was crap and um, I had done the positioning workshop with, uh, with Pam Davis as well oh yeah um, and uh, it was just like it was like the word just went around like the home birth community like through the grapevine basically and like Pam got on to me and was like do this position try that position do this exercise try that exercise Lorraine was ready to send me a rebozo Pam was ready to send me a rebozo you know Anya was working on it like two home birth midwives one that I know was like how are you getting on you doing okay um uh parenting Facebook group I mean people were like okay you know it's fine this is what happened to me when I had the unstable line I was in there too and oh my god it's so hard and some people saying you know I did end up having the section because baby never went into position but like it was just you know we just had this like you know woman tribe of everyone really yeah, yeah. offering me all this emotional support and all this real support and like I was doing the gentle birth again and I uh, sent them a message on Instagram. I think it is mostly Tracy that runs the, that yeah. replies on Instagram. And she suggested uh, two particular tracks. I said, you know, what can I do? I'm in hospital. I'm really kind of stressed out. And one of the ones she suggested was the mountain meditation. And then the midwives had given me a, a ball at this point. So I was doing all of the, posi- all the movements I possibly could on the ball to get the baby into position. And I just sat there about an hour after leaving Ada and Connor at the, on the ramp and I did the mountain meditation. I sat in the ball and it just, it just grounded me so much. It was just such a relief. And it was just all about kind of letting things, you know, you know, controlling what you can, letting go what you can't effectively. Um, and it was just, it was really, really grounding. It was really, really helpful. And I did have more stressful times kind of during that week, but I would go back to that mountain meditation again. It was enormously helpful um so I'm really glad uh that I had all that support like it was wonderful um, and I, every time I was putting up a story on Instagram of me in some daft position in a hospital bed I was getting messages being like you're great you're doing brilliantly you know and I was like this is so nice um the midwives for the most part in there were hugely supportive I had two student midwives actually one I think was uh I think she's pre-reg so she would have like finished her degree and is just doing her her internship um and she was massively supportive she had actually been to a home birth about two weeks before I was admitted, she had been uh, with Ruth Banks, who was the second midwife on my first birth. And she was with Lorraine, my doula. So I was like, this is just, it just felt lovely again. Um, oh, and you also had a student midwife coming to all my antenatal appointments and she was on placement in the coom. So she came up to see me twice uh, when she was on shift. And just to kind of- That is just amazing, me. isn't it? Oh, it was oh. just, <laughs> I, I just, I just felt like there were all these people behind me. And at one point I was like, oh, I hope people aren't disappointed. And I was like, they- won't be if this doesn't happen there there you know I was like there's nothing there's nothing but positivity here it was it was just really nice I'm really tearing up at the thought of it now but um uh it was really really lovely to have all that support um so I got checked on I think uh it was around the Wednesday night so the midwives I was having a trace done every day this is the other thing for me being like, I'm never having a dress again. It's terrible. And I was on this horrible ancient metal bed in the room and the mattress had this big bloody dip in it. Like I'd say if you spilled a jug of water on it, there would have been a pool about two inches deep in the middle of it. It was so uncomfortable. Um, but again, this student midwife who had been at the home birth said, because there were two like nice modern beds at the end of the ward. And I kind of assumed they were for sort of like semi-private patients. And because I wanted to go into the community midwives, I was public. Um, so I was like, well, I can't get one of the fancy beds. But she was like, she said, 
you should really be down there. She said, you're going to be, you know, we don't know how long you're going to be here. And I was like, oh, can I? She said, yeah, yeah, she's there for everybody. Um, and she said, you know, maybe mention it to the ward manager when she's around. The ward manager came around about two hours later. At this point, I'd slept on that bed for two nights and my hips were uh, a fucking agony-like, absolute agony. And I'd been seen by the physio um, and she told me I could heat up a heat pack on the ward and she did a bit of work on my hips. And uh, I had a ball to do a little bit of trigger point on my hips myself as well. Um, and uh, so I said it to the ward manager when she came around and she went, oh, you've got the, the, that, the pelvic girdle pain, don't you? And I suggested, oh, we'll get to that bed, no problem. She said, as soon as that's free, we'll, we'll do that. And about a half an hour later, someone was leaving. And I swear the person wasn't even off the board and she was down on top of me being like, hey, we just have to clean the bed, we'll put stuff down then. So um, I was kind of kicking myself for not asking for it from day one, to be honest. Um, so out of my two children, Eva is naturally the most curious. She wants, she's in at everything. She wants to see what's in every press. She wants to see how every toy works. It's just into everything. And although it's, it's just a new way of parenting that I didn't have with Oliver. I just had to be prepared for this child who needs constantly, who's being stimulated constantly. So say hello to Brain Building with Panda Crate. It's exactly what I needed. It's a subscription service for Play Essentials designed just for babies and toddlers aged 0 to 24 months. It's created by play experts at KiwiCo in partnership with Seattle Children's Hospital. Pandacrate is thoughtfully designed with care to stimulate your baby's brain development through play. Pandacrate is a science-backed, research-based approach to play and recognises that there's more to babyhood than the milestones itself. So within the Pandacrate, there was lacing beads. So Eva can sit down and do something like a jigsaw but she'll have it done really quickly. And she, with the lacing beads, it takes her just a couple of minutes and she has to use both hands so she can really explore each piece, thread the shapes onto a string and develop bilateral coordination. Really, really handy. And also there is a peg puzzle. So it's another way to solve shapes and it's nice. They're nice, wooden, robust toys. They're easy to clean, nice, solid shapes. And I find the other toys that you put for her anyway to put uh, say a block into something is far too easy so the peg puzzle was just really handy it challenged her a little bit more than the others whether you're a first-time parent or not panda crate provides a way to simplify the early years with just right products to support your baby's rapid development in the first two years of life countless errors go into creating the playthings in this box kiwico designers ideate, iterate and prototype, test, review and revise. And then they do it all again. So every material, colour, angle and curve is a thoughtful choice designed to stimulate your baby's brain development through play. And as I mentioned before, you can really see that in, especially with the pieces in the peg puzzle. Unlock brain building play and create a foundation for early learning with Panda Crate from KiwiCo. Get 30% off your first month plus free shipping with code IRE birth at kiwico.com. That's 30% off your first month at kiwico.com with promo code IRE birth. On to the rest of this week's episode. Two days of having traces in that bed, though, and like 20 minutes again. Morgan doing flips and jigs and reels. They kept losing the trace. Every time I had it, it felt like I was on it for about 45 minutes. Um, so uh, I was being, I was having a trace once a day. I was being 
getting my obs checked a couple of times a day. They were using the Doppler about four or five times a day and they would palpate as well to see what position she was in. And it was just, she was just all over the shop. Like one person would come along and feel and they'd be, yeah, she's oblique. Another person would come along and feel, okay, yeah, they're gone transverse now. Another person would come along, yeah, that's breach oblique. Like she was just all over the shop. Um, and, and they were all kind of commenting Could you feel direction. how active she Not was? Really. No. no. I like, it, it was the same with Ada. Like I'd been for a scan with Ada when I... One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I was like, when I was nearly full term, and she was head down and in the space of the following 45 minutes she flipped to lying sideways and I didn't feel any like giant big movement or anything and I had a growth scan while I was there as well and they put me down as having polyhydramnios so excess fluid and they were saying okay that's why she's moving but um Anya asked me what the figures were on the ultrasound of course me being nosy parker and but also at the same time they're still they're my notes and perfectly entitled to look so I was checking to see what the numbers actually were and and Anya told me that the comb has a lower threshold for what qualifies as polyhydramnios. And um, I would have seen a lot of babies in work as well who would be from a pregnancy. Uh, you know, a lot of the time their admission would be for a reason that was related to polyhydramnios. And I always remember talking to the mums who'd had it. It would only have been quite recently that they'd have had that and talking to them about their kind of poly and them saying... 
and like the, the bellies with that do just be absolutely enormous you know like it's when it's excluded it's a lot um, and I really didn't feel like that I really felt like I was a lot neater with with Morgan than I was with Ada so I felt like I just didn't identify with that diagnosis if that makes any sense um, and also again this was something that would rule out the humber. Um, so oh God, but I said, look, it's fine. We can get you remeasured. We can get it rescanned, rescanned until basically until you have the baby. Um, and uh, so that was on uh, that was on the Tuesday. And the docs had said to me if she went head down when they palpated, um, when the when the midwives palpated that I should get them up straight away to scan, and if they could confirm the position on the scan that basically that. Uh, stopwatch for the kind of 24 48 hour period would start then so on the Wednesday night a midwife palpated and she thought head down so they called up one of the docs and she scanned and she was actually breached um so I was like oh super disappointed um but then on Thursday night it was the same thing again midwife came up palpated and said okay you know I think she said down and this was nearly midnight and um I had done the breach tilt that day so I was literally set up with this lovely new fancy bed with the exercise ball under my bum my feet up on the bed and my head down and then the midwives were like she's some woman and they just wanted to make sure I was on the end of the ward as well so that I wasn't somewhere where my head like if someone tripped or fell they were gonna land yeah. on your ear like that and they were like just make sure you've got the bell right next to you you know uh you know that lovely student midwife had even tried to find out if the physio department could have accommodated me to do the breach till properly um because the beds didn't tilt enough to do it properly so um so yeah, I was half on the bed, half on the floor with this breach till trying to get the baby to move that Thursday. And then that night, the midwife palpated and I said, can we get the docs up to confirm on a scan? And she was like, oh, you know, we can wait till the morning. I said, no, I need, if I want the kind of stopwatch to start now. I said, they yeah. did say, it says it. Um, so she said, okay, look, I'll get a colleague to double check after, you know, the Wednesday night kind of false alarm. Um, and the colleague checked and she said, okay, I think maybe, you know, uh, cephalic, but like slightly oblique. Um, but anyway, they got the dock up and yet yeah, head down. I was like, yes, 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 thank you. We're good to go. Don't move. And then, yeah, exactly. That midwife actually did that first palpation. She'd actually had a home birth herself. She was like, right, okay, let's get this baby engaged. Yeah. And um, she said, okay, you know, gentle hip circles on the ball. She said, you know, get out, go for a walk. She said, go up and down the stairs there. And I was like, literally midnight in my pajamas, uh, going sideways up and down the stairs, down to the down to the ground floor of the comb, back up to the second floor of the comb, back down to the ground floor about five times. And like with the hip pain, that's no joke. Like, oh. It was really unpleasant. I was nearly, I was holding on to the banisters. I was holding on to the wall. I was going really slowly. And people kept passing me and asking me, was I okay? I think the look on my face, they must have thought I was in labor and been like, Gee, should she be on her own here in labor, you know? And uh, no, it was just sore hips. Um, so I did all that and uh, finally went to sleep at about kind of half one, two o'clock in the morning. And uh, in the morning, she was still head down. But it being a Friday, it was just bad timing at that point. So they wanted me to wait kind of 48 hours till she was engaged. And then they were like, you know, look, we will decide on Monday. I was like, oh, God, OK. Um, but thankfully, the cafe being open on Saturday and Sunday, you know, Ada was off crash. She was, so she came in to me and um, we had some quite nice time together then. Uh, and uh, my in-laws were very supportive as well. So Connor was getting a break. You know, Ada was spending some time with them. Um, and so he was able to kind of come in and see me by himself as well, which was nice. A uh, couple of my friends kind of came in to visit, which was really lovely. So I'm delighted that the cafe was open. Like I had three friends come mm. visit me in the cafe downstairs, which was really nice. Um, 
we'd actually arranged for you to come see me on the Monday, but uh, we didn't need to in the end because uh, saw them on Monday and they said that was fine. Um, when I saw them on Friday, I said, can I get a repeat departmental scan, the ultrasound, so that we can look at this fluid level, you know, can yeah. we get it uh, checked again? And uh, went and had that checked and they said, no, it's still biodrenous. But I mean, it was like barely over their threshold, barely. Um, which again is much lower than the international guidelines. No one was kind of getting a bit frustrated with that. And I was really frustrated with it because the polyhydramnios ruled out a home birth. It ruled mm-hmm. out using the pool in the hospital. I was just like, this is just, I just felt so annoyed. I was like, this is just so stupid. Um, and I said it to the doctor. I had actually left the appointment with her. Um, uh, sorry, I should say. So in the morning, basically they discharged me. She said, go have your ultrasound in the department and just come see me in the clinic. Um, so I had, you know, bags packed, kind of take them all away and everything at that point. So I went to see her in the clinic and she said, look, there's kind of nothing we can do about it. And I, and I left and then I just got really, really mad. I was like, no, this is just, no, I'm not having this. And I just sent on your text. I was like, no, so they need to go back and see this. And I said, can I talk to the consultant? Can we look over this? Can we talk about this? And the doctor was just like, she basically was kind of saying, you know, her hands were sort of tied by what the hospital guidelines were. Um, you know, I called Anya and Anya talked to her and speak the phone and everything. And there was just basically nothing she could do. You know, she went and talked to uh, one of the consultants. Mine was uh, on leave at that point because this was the Easter week as well. So it was midterm. So like the consultant, I don't know, maybe she was off with, with her own kids. A lot of people do at that time of year. Um, so I said, you know, can I talk to the consultant? And she was just like, she said, look, there's just no point. It is, it is what it is. And she said, look, we'll get you back on Wednesday. We'll go to the perinatal centre. We can do another scan. And um, so that was my my due date. Uh, so I went home and I was just kind of spitting about this, talked to Anya about what we could do. Um, and she said, you know, just don't go mad with drinking a whole pile of water over the next couple of days because that can elevate your fluid levels. And, you know, it was so fun. I went for, I decided to go for a private ultrasound on the Tuesday. Um, we paid for one so that I could get the fluid level checked. I was like, look, if they say it's okay, I'm not getting another ultrasound. I'll be like, look, I have a substance report that says the fluid levels are fine. We're okay. Um, and uh, so we did that. And she said the fluid levels were fine. Um, and again, baby still head down, which is great. And uh, we did on Wednesday and the doctor did a quick, bedside scan she said fluid levels are fine I was like yes oh my god oh my goodness (laughs) I was skipping out the door I couldn't believe it I was like it was so funny as well at this point everyone had forgotten about COVID no one was talking about the induction anymore it just because every all the focus had been on the the unstable lie I was like I'm just not going to say boo for the induction we're not just not gonna have that conversation because everyone seems to have forgotten about it because no one was talking about due dates or induction dates or anything like that so I was like, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. Um, and look, if I needed to have that fight, I will. Um, and uh, so I skipped out the door. I just sent only this voice, voice note. I was like, yes, we're good to go. We're good to go. I, I just couldn't believe it. Like, And uh, I was talking to my sisters about it. And they were like, one of my sisters went, she said, I'm sorry to say, she said, I really thought at one point it was just not going to happen. She said, I just thought, I said, I was just convinced it just was not going to happen. And you were just going to have to let it go. But I wasn't going to say it to you. So I wanted you to be very supportive and everything. And so yeah, on, on my due date, skipped out of the coom, absolutely delighted uh, that everything was looking good for the home birth. So, you know, we'd gotten over COVID, we'd gotten over the unstable lie, we'd gotten over this polyhydramnios diagnosis. So it was just basically a matter of time. So I was like, right, here's my two week window. So, but uh, 
so she was hit down, but she wasn't engaged yet. They kept focusing on the fact that she wasn't engaged. And Ronnie was like, but sure, look, it's the second baby. She might not get engaged until you're actually, yeah. you know, about yeah. to give birth. Um, so we were being careful about like kind of doing things to get her engaged, but nothing that might change her position. Mm. Um, so like doing kind of, you know, circles on the ball, but now bouncing on the ball, that kind of thing. So like I was being so precise with everything I was doing to try and keep things uh, where we wanted them to be. Um, so I had an appointment with Anya, I think, on the Saturday. Uh, had to go for a trace again then on the Friday. Um, and they said, look, we'll bring you back to... They couldn't bring me back to clinic on Monday, actually, because at this point it was Easter. Um, so they said, look, come in on Sunday to the, and uh, we'll have a look at you. And I said to Anya, I said, I'm not going. <laughs> I said, look, I'm just, you know, I... I didn't want to risk going in and having them find something else. And, yeah. you know, I said, as long as I feel fine, baby feels fine. So, you know, and you can check us out on Saturday and if she's confident that everything's okay, I'm just not going to go in. Um, and I said, look, we can see them the following Wednesday instead. So uh, I saw Anya on Tuesday and she said, you know, for the post dates, we need to do that post dates check. So we need to get um, uh, seen by the docs just to make sure everything is fine. But it wouldn't have had to do that till Friday. But when she rang them up, they were like, okay, no, she needs to come in tomorrow. So at 41 weeks, I went in and they were like, they did the quick ultrasound again. I was like, oh my God, please let fluid levels be fine. Please, fluid levels be fine. They were. Trace is grand as well. Urine tests, everything looked good, looked good, looked good. Um, and the doctor said, uh, said, she's still high though. She's still not engaged yet. So I was like, oh, you know, would we consider a sweep or something like that? And she said, no, I wouldn't even do a sweep at this point. Baby's too high. So um, she made an appointment for me to get a scan on the Friday. She made an appointment for me to come into the perinatal clinic or not the antenatal clinic rather on the Monday. And um, anyway, a point tested out the wazoo, but uh, she was fine the whole time anyway, which was great. Um, so at 41 weeks, went into the hospital, saw the doctor again, really, really lovely doctor. Um, she did the ultrasound, fluid levels was fine. I was like, grand, okay. But she said, yeah, baby's not engaged. So we made all these appointments. And I was like, okay. Uh, went home. I was like, bottom line is everything is still a go for the homework. That was all that mattered to me at that point. Um, so I said, okay, I'll go home and I'll start doing my, my little exercises again to help her get engaged. And because, uh, you know, she wasn't engaged at all. Not engaged, not engaged. Can't do, you know, can't do the sweep. She might still change position. We have to, still have to keep really close on you. Um, they said, as well, oh, if your water's break, come into the hospital to get checked, um, which Anya was supportive of as well. So I was fine with that. And they said, you know, just I would, that I would go in if the water's broke just to make sure that there was, that head was presenting first. But at that point, I'd be able to go home then um, if that was the case. Uh, so I came home and uh, I think I was in with the hospital about 11. And I came home and I was doing various things and the Funny enough, I remember it was the same thing with Ada around the last kind of two weeks of the pregnancy. The hip pain had kind of eased off a lot. So that had started happening with Morgan as well. Like maybe it was all the exercise in the hospital, actually. Who knows? Um, so um, I decided, because uh, Connor was so busy doing all of the housework and doing all of the childcare, I was like, okay, the lawn needs to be mowed. <laughs> We've only a tiny little, little patch of grass out the back garden. So I was like, look, feck it, I've nothing else to do. I may as well go out and mow the lawn. <laughs> so I was like, Connor was, I'm sure Connor must have been looking at me out the side of his eye being like, this is nesting, this is nesting, this is nesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it was the same with Ada. With Ada, I, I cleaned the oven and cleaned the fridge the day she was born. Um, 
so I think about midday I went out and uh, I mowed the lawn and I was inside uh, having my lunch on the ball having my raspberry tea my dates all the rest of it and um, I was watching I think a television show or a tv program I can't remember what and uh, I just felt what felt like kind of like a period cramp but it was so strong I was like geez that was never a contraction was it and um I was like, oh, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. And Connor was actually sitting on the couch. I think he was having his lunch as well because uh, it was a working day for him. And I was like, oh, I, I, maybe I kind of felt something there, but maybe not, you know. And I just kind of discounted it because it felt totally different how I'd felt with Ada, completely different. It was really distinct, really strong. Whereas Ada had been very kind of slow, slow, slow burn of a labor. And um, so about an hour later, uh, Connor was in the bathroom and I felt another one. So I was like, okay, our plan with this birth was I said as soon as I go into labor we're to go to sleep everything else can just get disregarded we're going to go and we're going to sleep because I'm going to be in labor for about 12 hours I'm going to labor overnight I'm going to have the baby in the morning because that was what happened with Ada I labored all overnight we got no sleep for about 36 hours and then we had a newborn (laughs) so it was really like we were working off no sleep by the time she was about three days old so this was and what was your plan with Ada did you want her there uh no we figured she was too small and um, basically yeah. we said that we were going to wing it I thought you know we have the doula this time either the doula can go up to Ada and Connor can be with me or Connor can go up to Ada and uh, the doula will be with me because we assumed again that I was going to be laboring overnight and um, don't ask me why like a reflection that seems like just stupid things to do um, but we decided we were going to wing it and um, See, so yeah, Connor was in the bathroom. That was about kind of three o'clock, I think. And I just went over to the bathroom door and I just said, because I'd had another contraction at that point, I'd had two more actually, spaced about kind of 45 minutes, half an hour apart. And I just kind of shouted in the door at him. I said, okay, I said, I think we're kicking off here. I said, maybe we're going to see some action now tonight. And he was like, okay, I'm going to go to bed. Did you feel excited? Uh, yeah, I was. Yeah, very much so. I was like, oh, you know, maybe. But um, I immediately was doubting myself uh, because... Okay. Ada again had been so long and this was so different that I was just expecting it to be the same thing. And because it was different, I was like, well, this can't be it. Um, and I did, I'd had Braxton Hicks the week before, all right. Um, but I kept thinking I was having Braxton Hicks from when I was about 36 weeks. And on reflection, I think maybe that was actually Morgan flipping about the place. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I, part of me was worried that she'd actually moved, <laughs> but I was certain she was still head down because I couldn't feel that big sort of wide belly feeling. I didn't think she'd gone transverse. So, uh, yeah, I stuck the head in uh, outside the door to Connor and said, you know, I think something's happening here. He's like, right, OK, I'm going to go to bed. So he went off upstairs for a nap. Um, and I thought, OK, I'll try and maybe have a nap on the couch and lay down and just kind of dozed. Uh, but I was like kind of, you know, sort of texting away to my family watching telly. And I told my sisters, I was like, you know, maybe we might see something happening here today. And then um, about half five, I was like, OK, you know, we'll just kind of tell, you know, my whole family, tell my parents, tell my nieces. And uh, I was like, well, you know, I think, yeah, we're having something happening here. All right. You know, I've had kind of fairly distinct contractions, you know, about every kind of half an hour. And uh, I had told on you around after the first one, I was like, oh, you know, I think maybe something's happening. And I'd said it to Lorraine as well. And uh, then at half five, I was like, OK, yeah, I think we're I think I think we're in labor here now. So I said that to Anya and she was like, OK, you know, let me know how things go. And uh, so was, I had made like a WhatsApp group with me and Connor and Lorraine and Anya all in it because I was like, you know, I don't want to be texting three different people like. Yeah, good idea. Yeah. So uh, now Anya had warned me. She was like, you know, second babies come a lot faster. Second babies come a lot faster. But I was just like, you know, yeah, be fine, be grand, you know. And then um, with Ada, I'd had a lot of back-to-back contractions at the start. 
So I kept having like timing them and one would be like 11 minutes from the previous one. And then I'd have one that was like three minutes from the previous one. And um, they didn't really start coming kind of thick and fast until I was about, until about seven hours after labor had started. So I was just sort of timing the contractions and just not really believing what I was seeing <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> like I was looking at the time and it would be like, it was seven minutes since your last contraction. I was like, that can't be right. <laughs> I was just kind of ignoring it. Like, I don't know why. And um, I remember at one point seeing one and it was like, your last contraction was four minutes ago. And I was like, no, that's wrong. And I just deleted a contraction. <laughs> <off the thing. laughs> what was I thinking? Um, so about like, uh, I think about half six, I said to Lorraine, you know, or I said to Connor, um, we'll wait till Ada's down, her bedtime being around kind of seven o'clock, half seven at that point. I said, and then we'll ask, we'll call her in, we'll call Anya and tell them to come over. And um, but by like half six or seven, I was like, oh, I just I don't know about that now at all. Um, so I was like, okay, you know, maybe it's time to put Ada to bed. And uh, so we went up to try and do an early bedtime with her. She was having not a bar of it, uh, just bawling just in Connor's arms she her sleep had kind of all gone totally to pot as well with me being away for the week she was really off everything you know just totally turned everything upside down for her before the baby was even born like um she was not having it and I could just hear her crying in the room and I was just kind of pacing around the living room like trying to do the hypnobirthing trying different kind of positions to ease the contractions and timing them and being like these are kittens fierce close together fierce quick (laughs) and um so I had said to Connor shortly before he was putting Ada to bed, I said, maybe we should get your family on standby. So we ring your sister. And because uh, she would kind of be the person I'd probably be the most comfortable with, I thought, having around while I was in labor, because that had never occurred to me that they'd be in the house for the labor. Like, I was totally fine with the idea of my sister, but she's, you know, my, like, my sister-in-law, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law. I was like, oh, you know not exactly top of the list for being present while I gave birth, you know? And um, as much as I love them, like, and what a fantastic sport they are. But uh, so he rang his sister who it turned out was working late. Wasn't going to be probably not going to be leaving work till about eight or nine o'clock. I was like, well, that's no good to us. So uh, Connor said, look, I'll ring my dad because his mum doesn't drive. So he said, look, I'll ring my dad and he can just sit in the car outside, you know, not come into the kind of birthing environment. He can just sit in the car outside. And if we need him to come in, we need him to come in. And um that was shortly before he started putting Ada down for the night. So at one point I went up and he'd been trying to get her to sleep for about 10 minutes. And I was like, no, it's time to get your dad. It's time to get your dad. And I was like, mm-hmm. just because it was really, the contractions were really strong, really having to breathe through them at that point. I remember just standing on the landing outside Ada's room, swaying the hips through a contraction. Next thing I just heard the front door open and my father-in-law coming up the stairs. He just kind of nodded at me and just sort of, oh yeah, good luck, you know? <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> he went in and took Ada and uh Connor came out and then I can't remember I think yeah at that point we had said to to Lorraine and Anya both that uh to come and I just kind of sent a voice note saying yeah you know these are coming I'm not really getting much of a break you know I think maybe you should come over and check I was very chill about it I was like you know you can come she can check she can leave again if she has to you know it's all fine somehow just mentally expecting labor to slow down because that again was what would happen with Ada and um so I remember getting a voice note back from Anya and she was like, yeah, sure, you know, I'm just having a yogurt here. I'm going to finish that now and I'll come straight over to you. And um, uh, Lorraine, I had asked to get on the road because I was like, you know, it doesn't matter what stage um, of labour she comes over, you know, because we had we would have quite long support with her as a doula and she was coming from Wexford. So I thought, look, we'll get her on the road straight away. So uh, Lorraine was 
on the way at that point. And um, so that was about kind of 20 past seven. Connor came downstairs and started blowing up the pool. Because I was like, you know, we need the pool, we need the pool, we need the pool, we need the pool. I'm in a lot of pain here. I need the pool, I need the pool, I need the pool. And uh, he was trying to get that inflated. He was starting to fill it, you know, all this jazz. And um, Anya arrived at about eight o'clock and uh, Lorraine uh, arrived like just before her. My sister-in-law also arrived in the meantime because she had rung Connor and Connor just ignored us because we had other things to do. So she arrived, came in the front door and was like, we need help with Ada. So she went upstairs, jo- you know, to join forces with my father-in-law. And um, so they all kind of arrived hot on the heels of each other. And it was funny, I heard the front door open because I had the kitchen door closed. Usually we have all the doors open in the house nearly all the time. And I heard someone go up the stairs and I was like, why would Anya go up the stairs? She knows that we're, you know, we've got the birthing area set up in the living room. And then next thing I heard Kate's voice. I was like, okay, never mind. It's not, it's not Anya. And um, so yeah, then very quickly after that, Lorraine and Anya both arrived. And uh, Lorraine says she just remembers coming through the front door and being, or coming through the kitchen door, seeing me and being like, so that's transition, right? You know, it's just transitioning. <laughs> um, uh, so Anya and Lorraine both arrived kind of around the eight o'clock mark. And um Connor was still desperately trying to fill up the school. I was kind of walking around the place, but I was definitely like I even said it to Connor at one point. I said, I'm kind of freaking out here. Cause I'd really I'd sort of lost because I had been almost waiting to build up to that control and to get into that kind of birthing space with the pool and everything, I sort of lost the vibe the kind of the headspace of the hypnobirthing I lost that headspace a little Mm. bit because things were ramping up so fast I kind of hadn't had time to prepare for it almost and then it was definitely Mm. hyperventilating a little bit so as soon as Anya and Lorraine came in and saw me having a contraction saw me doing that the pair of them were amazing they were both over you know uh, Lorraine was rubbing my back Anya was kind of just like Lorraine just got stuck in straight away she was through the door she had the hands on both hips was giving me that counter pressure straight away because that was what I said had given me the most relief on the first birth um, they both got my breathing sorted out they were like you know you're breathing in a bit too quick just you know take that long breath out and like I can even nearly talk to you about it I can feel my shoulders relaxing again you know I remember then it was relaxing my jaw relaxing my shoulders nice long breath out and within about five minutes they just had me sorted I was back in my I was back in my good space Connor God love him still working away at the pool because <laughs> he was like she wants the pool she wants the pool um so Anya said, you know, do you, mind, do you mind if we do an exam and we'll have a look and see what's going on just to make sure that she was in the right position as well. And um, I popped up on the couch anyway, expecting, you know, like, because again, the first labor Anya had examined me and I think it'd been about three or four centimeters. Got on the couch and Anya was like, okay, so baby is well engaged. No problems there. Head is well down and you're about six centimeters. And I was like, Jesus Christ. And uh, that was at about quarter past eight and I recorded a voice note to send into my family group because I was like, I'm not about to be texting this. And it's so funny, I could listen to it now. And I was like, okay, you know, Anya's here. Contraction's coming thick and fast now. And Anya says I'm about six centimetres dilated. So, you know, maybe we'll see a baby tonight, hopefully, you know. And uh, in the voice note, you could just hear Anya in the back of going, hey, yeah, we're, no, we're, we're, Steph, we're seeing a baby now tonight. We're seeing a baby, all right. Yeah, Steph, this is actually happening. Yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> You are in very, very active labor. <laughs> and um, I kid you not, sent that message at about 20 past eight and she was born at 47 minutes past eight. So I went oh, wow, cool. to birth in 20 minutes. Like it was just nuts. It was so much faster uh, than Ada. Uh, I had been standing with Lorraine, kind of holding on to Lorraine's arms, Connor again, still working away. <laughs> and um 
I've been standing with, with holding on to Lorraine's arms. And I was like, I said, I think I need to get down on the ball. So she brought the ball over and I went on my knees over the ball and it was kind of having some contractions. And I just said to Connor, I was like, I said, Connor, that's pool's not happening. And uh, I could just hear Anya over in the background being like, yeah, no, that's the, let the pool go. It's time to, you know, it's not happening. Um, and as soon as Anya had come in the door, she could just, she could just tell by the look of me. She phoned the ambulance service to notify them. She phoned the second midwife. She phoned the student midwife as well to be there. Um, and uh, the student midwife, Quiva, she arrived, I think, about three minutes before I gave birth. Uh, Ruth, who was our second midwife again, arrived 10 minutes after I gave birth. Um, and like it was not, it was, it was in so many ways, it was so different and yet still so lovely and so much the same and so empowered and so gentle. It was just wonderful. Um, so after I got back down on, on my knees over the ball, uh, it was just at that point, it was just, it was, it was giving birth kind of time. You know, you just have that absolute change in sensation. Like, and uh, it's funny, I had said in my birth preferences this time that I wanted to avoid using the gas and air if at all possible. Um, I had drained the tank with Ada and um, I thought that maybe because I wasn't quite in the space I wanted to be, that I pushed a little bit too hard when it came to pushing with her. And she was a lot bigger than Morgan as well. But um, I thought that maybe that's why I had torn, you know, that I wanted to kind of take things a little bit slower this time. Well, for Jesus, the tank never even made it into the house. <laughs> like, oh, you made sure she had her emergency bag. And if I'd asked for the oxygen, like obviously Lorraine could have gone and gotten it and everything. But um, Or if I'd asked for the Antinox, but I don't think it even made it into the house. I never saw hide their hair, but <laughs> so I had nothing at all with her. I think I took two paracetamol at about half four. So I was like, sure, I'll just take the paracetamol just in case. And uh, nothing else then for this birth. And um, so I was over the ball and doing the breathing. And it was lovely at one point, like I'd been talking to Lorena about doing, do you know the, the Kiko thing? The uh, knees in, calves out position to open. Oh, the yes. Carpet. Yeah, yeah. Um, at one point, I just kind of felt, because obviously I wasn't really in much of a space to be listening or talking, I just could feel Lorraine's hand just on my ankle, just kind of prompting me, and I knew exactly what I was to do, and I just got in that position straight away. Like, it was just it was just such a brief, gentle, quick communication. I knew exactly what to do, and I just went straight into that position. Um, again, from, from this all from the naked doula, her line about, you know, kind of relaxing your face, the, the floppy face, floppy funny thing, <laughs> to avoid tearing. And um, I just like when it was clearly about to, I was clearly about to to have her. I just kind of heard Lorraine and Connor both actually just whispering to me, just going floppy face, floppy fanny. And I was like, I just managed to relax my face. And I was at that point making the noises and everything. Um, and Anya was just getting her gloves on uh, or just about to. She said she had the sterile gloves set open and everything. And I just kind of let out a big noise and just all in one, basically waters broke baby out. No crowning no heads delivered next contraction shoulders delivered next contraction none of that she just the whole lot just came out all at once um and we were not in a place that we had planned on giving birth either <laughs> we were over near the couch nothing waterproof around at all we'd thrown down a load of puppy pads but we still ended up with some waters on the rugs so the rug had to be thoroughly thoroughly cleaned a few days later um, so and position where you in uh kneeling with my uh, torso on the ball so basically the same position I was in for Ada with her I'd been in the water kind of leaning over the side of the pool but this time I was leaning yeah. on the ball Connor was in front of me um Lorraine kind of at my side and Anya and Quiva then at the at the exciting end <laughs> and um so yeah she just kind of came all in one Anya basically caught Morgan and then had to uh 
Quiva was there with the towel, had the towel we had ready to catch her. So Anya basically had to hand her to the student midwife. And they were trying to get her up back between my legs to hand her to me. Like, I, I mean, I had gone to the bathroom about five minutes before Anya arrived. And it was only at that, like, and that was only about 45 minutes before she was born. It was only at that point that I thought, hmm, maybe it's a good idea if I take off my knickers at this point. And I was wearing like a kind of maternity dress and leggings. And I was like, I'll just leave the leggings and the knickers in here because I'm well covered up, you know, with the dress in case anything, you know, I need to see anybody or anything like that. Um, and uh, so like, I wasn't prepared for skin to skin. I still had my bra on, I still had my dress on. Like it had just happened so, so, so fast. Whereas with Ada, I was, you know, in the bikini, in the pool, you know, it was all ready to like undo the bikini top to do skin to skin and to latch her on and all the rest of it. And, um, <laughs> but she just came so quick, like before they handed her to me, I was like, I want to put her straight onto my chest. She was like, with Quiva sitting there with holding this new baby precariously, I had to ask Connor to take my top off and to, or to take the dress off. And then um, Lorraine undid the bra for me and uh, they were handing her to me between my legs but again we had said we didn't know if she was a boy or a girl and we'd said we wanted Connor to announce it and Quiva was trying to hand her to me but she had kind of a short cord and she sort of had her elbows kind of hooked around the cord as well so they kind of couldn't get her through and Quiva was there going oh it's uh the cord is kind of hooked around his elbow and I was like his his he 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 what 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 um, and Queen was like, no, 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 I don't know, I don't know. Um, and uh, but oh, yeah, so they handed her up to me, and you know, Connor announced she was. We had another little girl, um, and I had no tearing, nothing at all, two small grazes. That was it. Um, she was uh, over a pound and four ounces lighter than Ada was. She was much smaller than her. Um, no, geez, she was still eight and a half pounds, so she was still kind of big for. Oh yeah, <laughs> still a healthy baby. Yeah, still, still good for most people, but she's by far she's by by a full eight ounces. She's the smallest baby ever born in my family. So I don't know what happened there, um, but uh, it was just unreal. It was that it was really it was that fetal ejection reflex thing. I think it was just it really was just like I don't even remember really. I really found that I went with it a lot more this time. I wasn't actively pushing. She was pushing. Just, uh, yeah, that's it sounds that way. Yeah, yeah very much. And I was like, oh, my God, that's what that's like. And I, I was pure in shock. But I was on the couch holding her. I was like, how? How? I literally was looking at Connor about two minutes after she was being like, she's here already. What? What? How? <laughs> like, how did that happen? Um, so it was unreal. It was so fast. I literally went from first contraction to having a baby in about six and a half hours. And like, I didn't think I was in labor until about two hours before she was born either. It was nuts. Yeah. Not even two hours, less than two hours, I'd say, that I was finally admitting that I was in labor. Like, um, but it was wonderful. It was so like, it was clear. Everyone was expecting this long, slow burn and this baby by morning because my mom went for dinner um, with friends. I can't remember where my dad went. My dad was working. My dad was doing uh, some work and uh, I rang or like, I did like a WhatsApp call to our family group. And mom, mom and dad didn't answer because they were all busy, like, because they weren't paying attention to the <laughs> ages yet. Um, and uh, my uh, my mom didn't find out until she left the restaurant and she had a text from my mother-in-law being like, congratulations, because she assumed that my mom knew. Um, so it was all over the shop. Uh, but um, so yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. We just weren't expecting it to happen that fast. No, we really got the support though. The I think everyone coming in who was there to support you, like Rain and Anya coming in just really yeah. helped you, I think. Yeah. Yeah, into that. Yeah, it was just I think almost it was that sort of relief the appointments as well. 
like the fact that I left being like we are we're we're on track here now you know I think it was that relief almost as well leaving the hospital that morning I was like you know just that being in that safe place and I remember Anya saying to me before you know it might be that when you know uh when it is in bed she said you might find that things go thick and fast and you know and I always remember you saying the same about Oliver going yeah. for her walk I think with your mother-in-law and um that you know things really really sped up after that so I think that's partly what happened with us too Ada was in bed and she was down in the sleep and all sorted and things just went really fast from there so yeah when we spoke spoke the other day we spoke we were chatting the other day and you were talking about yeah how amazing your re- recovery was in comparison to it was yeah, I can remember I was saying to you that I'd gotten the you know the diphene prescribed and I didn't need it yeah like I took uh I was taking painkillers for a few weeks after the birth but it was all because of the pelvic girdle pain was still there none of it was anything to do with perineal um issues none of it was to do with the like the afterbirth were were or the after pains were very sore definitely um and like uh trying to feed her when she was first born and trying to get the to deliver the placenta um I couldn't get over how strong the the contractions were like it was nuts um so again yeah it's funny like the 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 birth was so low intervention after having such a high intervention kind of pregnancy, like no yeah. gas in air, no rupture of membranes, no suturing, no Pitocin to deliver the placenta. It all The birth was just au natural from start to finish. The pregnancy was heavily closely monitored, but the birth was just, you know, like uh, the midwives had to do very little. Um, you know, when I say very little, they were, they were obviously still wonderful. Um, you know, like uh, we were trying to get uh, the placenta delivered again. Yeah, and Ruth was doing like acupressure points and things to help that along and sitting on the toilet, breastfeeding her and everything like that. And I was kind of like, oh, you know, I don't think this is going to happen. I think maybe you know, we're going to need that injection. I was fine with getting it as well. Um, but uh, next thing, anyway, I just kind of stood up. Um, from having kind of sat in the toilet feeding her, trying to see would it arrive. Next thing, just when I stood up, I was like, oh, yep, we're placenta's coming out now. And it just, no problem, delivered that. No issues at all. Again, it was absolutely grand, uh, fine size, uh, um, much smaller than Ada's. Again, Ada's was a fine, massive placenta, apparently, but this one was a, little, was a good bit smaller. Um, and uh she did this little short cord, so it was funny. It was nearly hard to get her doing chest to chest while she was uh, uh, while we were waiting for the cord to to go white. And um, we were waiting. Eva's was the same, actually. It was really really short, and they were commenting on how short it was because I couldn't get her up up onto me either. I could just get her to latch. Yeah, yeah, same. I basically was just about able to get her to reach to the to the breast, and that was all. Um, I couldn't like Ada like I've got photos of me holding her and she's fully up on my shoulder nearly, you know, Morgan, I just couldn't okay. do that. Like, um, like even anytime someone would reposition her, I'd be like nearly feeling the tug, you know, I was like, okay, careful. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Connor cut the cord again. Um, and, uh, we did all her chicks and everything like that. Everything absolutely fine. Such a nice team of just support from women throughout like this, the, your whole story. I, I'll send you the photo with this beautiful photo that, that Connor took of me uh, on the couch, just holding Morgan and with Quiva, Ruth, Lorraine and Anya just 
sitting around me. Yeah, I think like, I've seen it. It's amazing. Yeah, oh, it's just it's beautiful. I love it. Um, uh, so yeah, it was funny. Like after the those last two or three months of pregnancy, couldn't have gone less to plan. And you know, the birth didn't really go to plan as such either. But uh, it was just absolutely perfect in so many ways. Then it was it was exactly what I what I would have liked. Um, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you would like to share your story, you're more than welcome to. You can get in touch with the website, irelandsbirthstories.ie, which I have linked in the show notes. Click on the share your stories tab, fill in a few details and I will get back to you as soon as possible with a recording date. I hope you all have a good week. Chat to you Monday. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.